tennis picks and bets everyone i'm john at jared tweets tennis on twitter here to bring you picks for day three the first two days have been absolute roller coasters day one didn't look great ended up being a winning day for us with a pair of comeback wins today not so much with lucas Puy, our underdog play having match points in the fourth set at 5 3 15 40 looked like he was going to take it in four and come through with an underdog money line winner again for the second straight day for us and ends up somehow losing the match in five disappointment there Coco van de was not good enough and dennis kudla also tons of opportunities for him to break both in the second set for double break and in the fifth set uh for him to cover the four ends up pushing there as well so yesterday some good fortune today some bad fortune happens that's the name of the game before we get to Day three picks, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the Mayo Media Network and click the bell to make sure you're getting the notifications for all their content. Football season is coming. And then of course, comment with your favorite bet below. And if you prefer an audio form available, uh, Daily Fantasy Sports Picks and Bets, The Mix is available at all your favorite podcast platforms. Make sure to rate, review and subscribe. First play I want to talk about today, Francis Tiafo, minus five and a half games against Guido Peya. This one comes in at minus 108, and again, you're going to see some similarities in the lines um, for the next two matches, but this is one where I think we should be looking at six and a half to seven games. Look, Guido Pea, remarkable to come through. He's, I think, a bit underrated. Like, people see him as an all-clay court player kind of guy, but he is a little bit better than people give him credit for on these courts. Not good enough for me, especially in 2021, uh, to have him within a six-game um, spread of Francis Tiafo. He's got a foot condition that he's had since last year that really uh, has flared up on occasion. He had COVID earlier this year. He's had some tough circumstances off the court that really affected his on-court play. Now, he did win in four sets in his opening match. Keep in mind, though, that was against Philip Krajinovic, someone prone to bad losses and who we know isn't the most fit player on tour, has struggled with that in the past as well. And when you're in those hot and humid conditions in New York City in the, in the heat of summer, late August, yeah, you're gonna be you're going to want to be in shape if you're gonna compete in best of five tennis. So we can kind of gloss over that a bit and not look too much into that. And let's talk about Francis Tiapano, someone who's the opposite, who's super fit, who loves the long grind, who's very athletic, whose shot making ability is incredible, and whose form has actually been pretty good. I was really impressed with his run to the quarterfinals in Winston-Salem. Bit of a capitulation there in the quarterfinals, but he was impressive in Toronto after losing qualifiers, came in as a lucky loser and won a few matches as well. When he is on his game, he is probably one of the brighter young American stars. I don't know if we can classify him as, as a prospect anymore, but he's still relatively young and he's someone to watch for. I think that this should be done in straight sets and I don't know if Guido Pea can quite keep up with Francis the way he was able to with Philip Krajanovic, just because again, uh, he, he could outwork and out hustle Krajanovic and make those uh, rallies super long. And that was an effective strategy. Won't be against Tiapa, who doesn't mind the long rallies and can certainly hit uh, some wonderful shots at, towards the end of them for winners. Next match, also all three on the men's side today. The next one is Brandon Nakashima, minus five and a half games. Again, that minus five and a half number seems big, but I think it's a little too small. He's playing against Alex Molchan. This price is at minus 107. Again, somewhere where we should be in six and a half to seven game territory. Brandon Nakashima, one of the best young American prospects out there. He's having a breakout season. And to be fair, so is Alex Molchan, who has really impressed this season, albeit almost exclusively on clay. Has come through in New York, did come through his first match, however. My big issue here is can his serve hold up? How many times is Brandon Nakashima going to work his way into return games? He played John Isner, renowned for having one of the biggest serves of all time in the first round, broke him in the first set, broke him in the third set, 
and managed to win a ton of, of second serve return points against Isner. Even the second serve of Isner can be really big. He had a few aces against Nakashima. Nakashima's return game was on point against John Isner. If it was against a super uh, big serving American on hard courts, a smaller serving uh, kind of another, or sorry, a Slovak here who is more used to the clay courts, prefers those slower courts so he can use his grinding and defensive abilities. I don't know if that's going to play super well. Nakashima's got an all, also possesses a good serve of his own. So I think you're going to see he's going to be far more reliable on serve. And he is a very solid returner uh, for a, a hardcore American tennis player, for being honest. Not too, too many of those out there. Brandon does profile well on the return. And as a result, I think Alex Molchan is going to really struggle to, to, to hold his serve. He's going to be really crafty, maybe try and shorten up some points. Um, which again is not his bread and butter. So I think out of that, out of his comfort zone, this should be a five and uh, this should be a six and a half to seven game spread. We're getting it at five and a half, and we will pounce. Finally, we're going back to the well on fading Facundo Bagnus. I'm not done fading him just yet. I am not sold on him on hard courts just because he beat Tara Daniel. We're getting Marco Trungelidi here, who is sometimes perceived as a clay court player, but he's had results. He qualified at Wimbledon. He qualified here. He has played some wars of matches so far at the U.S. Open. It's the only slight concern, if you want to lower your stake a bit, is he did play a long three-setter in his final round of qualifiers. And then, of course, he played a grueling five-setter in the opening round against Alejandro Davidovich Fokina of Spain. However, he get you get days off after qualies. He had a few days off. And then, of course, after the first, you get days off between each round as you progress through the tournament as well at Grand Slams. So a little more reassuring that there isn't too, too much tennis on his body. We're going to go for the money line here. It's plus 117. He's our underdog of the day, taking on Bagnus, who, again, everything I said for day one applies here. I'm still not convinced about his abilities on hard courts. He really found a way to grind and get everything back to Taro Daniel, who committed a ton of errors. That's not something you're going to get from Marco Trunjaliti, who himself is a warrior and does not mind long points, long games, long sets, long matches, whatever. He is an absolute machine out there. So we're going to go ahead and back Marco Trunjaliti plus 117 as the third play of the day. Nothing on the women's side today. Nothing nearly as intriguing. Uh, the value certainly lying more on the men's side for the third day of the U.S. Open. We'll be back tomorrow for day four coverage. That, of course, will be the finale of the second round of play.